ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Like whose ass is that important that you need to spend that much money on a couch? Hang on. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. In the flesh. Face to face. Face to face. So good to see you again. So good to see you too. Music, art, life stuff yep. is what Bang On is all about. We have a big, big bang for you today. Britney memoir, Jada Pinkett Smith memoir, animal chat, of course, because that's what Bang On <laughs> is all week about. there's animal chat. Got some Dolly Parton news this week and even Nicolas Cage. But how's your week been? You came in a little bit... Schwitzen this morning. You not, weren't ready for Melbourne to be so warm. I know. I've been living it up in Brisbane in the warm heat and enjoying it. It's just normal now. But I came to Melbourne and I don't have the clothes for this kind of weather. <laughs> Wasn't expecting it. You're right not to trust Forgot Melbourne. Forgot my deodorant, a bit sweaty. Because <laughs> it's been really feral weather. It's been kind of rainy and gross and windy. But you managed to come back to your hometown on the uh, the one sunny day we've had in ages. I'm so well so done. pleased. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it has been a very big week. I just wanted to, before we get into this week's Bang On, give a shout out to all the people in the Bang Box who email us every week. We're getting through your emails. Quite a few people resonating with the silent walking chat. Yeah. Um, but also saying that when they go for walks, they're listening to Bang On and they didn't know how they feel about <laughs> that because that's their mental health break. That's where they sort things out. So yeah. we're kind of, you know, we're the choice for silent walkers. You're not listening to music or or, or news or, or anything else. You're yeah. just banging on with us. It's just chat. And, and I think that's something we should make a note of too. There's awful things going on in the world at the moment. People are feeling really... You know, I mean, I'm I'm all over the shop. Everyone's all over the shop. It's it's really hard to navigate at this time. And I'd like to think that what we're doing here at Bang On is perhaps a little moment of reprise and some joy and some fun. We are well aware of what's going on, but we're sitting outside of that just for this this moment. So you can have a little break and and think about other things for a bit. Just hang out with a couple of silly duffers, really. Yeah. Um, silly duffers who often get things wrong. Can I just make a correction oh, as well? Oh, what have we done now? <laughs> what a surprise. People don't come to us for facts. Zan, I've, I'm well aware ABC of ABC Fact Check would be just like, <laughs> Mortified. I'm, not, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. That's their vibe with us. Look, we were talking a lot about Beckham last week, the documentary, and of course the Beckhams, and I said that they surprisingly weren't producers on this doco. They were. Oh. His company made it, Miff. Of course. <laughs> Well, they've got. He's got a studio called Studio Ninety Nine, and they produce all that amazing social media. They do, of course. Uh, There's a professional studio, but he also does a whole bunch of other brand activations and films and documentaries and docu series. Because he's not shy like of Beckham. a tie-in. <laughs> I'm trying to work out though what the tie-in would be with the Beckham documentary. His aside brand, from his brand, but also you know there must be all sorts of things now that I know because he loves a little celebrity endorsement. So maybe the beekeeping outfit. <laughs> Maybe that was a bit of Spono. Beckham B is launching in 2024. Bit of I genuinely think probably is um, now that I know that they produced it. Maybe that green couch was reading online that, that, that Posh was sitting on. Apparently the interior design world has gone bonkers for a green couch. Of course. Couch. It's like Troy Sivan doing Architectural Digest. All of a sudden you're Googling and realising, oh, yeah, I can't afford that $15,000 couch. No, and like seriously $15,000. Like, whose ass is that important that you need to spend 
that much money on a couch. Well, I think if you've seen any of Troy Sivan's recent Actually, video clips, then you know he's got a very important us. Very important to us. Very important to us. I take it all back. But we digress. A very big week for memoirs this week. This one is coming in a matter of days. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. You better work, bitch. Now get to work, bitch. And work she has since she was a little kid on the Disney Channel. Britney Spears has had a life. And she hasn't been able to tell her story for a long time, has she, Miff? That's all going to change this Tuesday when she releases The Woman in Me. Yeah, finally. It will be available for our eyeballs. And our earballs. $15 million she got for this. I was surprised, actually. I thought it'd be so more. the same as Troy Sivan's couch. Yeah, I thought it'd be more. <laughs> Surely that's an advance, though, and she's got a cut of the sales. Yeah, I guess so. You'd think so. Or yeah. maybe she gets a certain amount of sales and she gets more. But, yeah, given given the nature of her story and, and the fact that she hasn't been able to tell it for so long, I was quite surprised by that number. It's quite modest. I reckon she's going to get points for every million copies it sells. It will She'd be a bestseller. To. I think it's already number one on on Amazon. Pre-sales already. If you haven't heard anything about it, this is the trailer that went out ahead of the release on Tuesday. When did you last feel free? When I got to drive my car. I never wanted to become one of those prisoner people. I always wanted to get in my car and go and not let people make me feel like I had to stay in my home. I'm scared. You think you know, but you have no idea. I know everything's going to come together and everything's going to be fine. There's a lot that people don't know that I want them to know. Yeah, there's going to be a lot that drops. The first excerpts have started coming out too. Have you seen what has been revealed so far? Oh, yeah. this is It's pretty full on, actually. She talks about how she became pregnant with Justin Timberlake and that they were very young and, and he didn't want her to have the child. Yeah, and um, obviously he hasn't commented on this as yet, and I don't think he ever will. I wonder, though, if this was passed by him as as an editor of a book. Surely, I think, if there's people involved, they, they get to see what it is that, that you've written about, particularly if it's personal, and I wonder. It didn't happen with Daniel Johns. No, it didn't. And the Chris and Ben yeah. memoir. So I don't think it always happens. I think we can assume it always It should, but it doesn't always yeah, happen. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not sure whether or not, uh, well, how he will respond to this. Um, it's, yeah, it, I mean, she's, she's, but she's free to tell her story. However, she damn well wants to be honest and I'm happy for her. She talks about the conservatorship too, which she's already spoken about. Obviously the freedom that she's experienced since being released from that you see every day on her social media, but she talks about how these 13 years went by with me feeling like a shadow of myself and that she felt like a robot. She felt infantilized. One of the other things that just got revealed as well that I noticed was the moment when she shaved her head. That was 16 years ago, Miff. Yeah. Can you believe that? 16 years. That moment where she was out, it was the umbrella, the four-wheel drive. She went into, I think it was a tattoo parlor, and then she got them to shave her head. And this is really interesting, I thought, when she talked about this. I'd been eyeballed so much growing up, she explained. I'd been looked up and down, had people telling me what they thought of my body since I was a teenager. Shaving my head and acting out were my ways of pushing back. 
I think this memoir, even though she's lived an extraordinary life, is going to resonate with a lot of people. Mm, I think so. A lot of people. She was a teenager too, really, when this was all happening. Of course she's going to act out in some way, shape or form. It's it's all perfectly normal behaviour. But everybody in the world put their expectations on her as to what they expected from a pop star and, and no one can fulfil that. No one, especially in a situation where she's basically being trapped and imprisoned by the people around her and set to work by the people around her, as we subsequently found out. I felt really sad too when she did the film Crossroads. She said, the experience wasn't easy for me. I think I started method acting. I didn't know how to break out of my character. And that was pretty much the beginning and the end of my acting career. And I was relieved. Oh, Poor Britney. She I was... saw Crossroads. I quite liked it. Yeah, she was pretty good. She know, was... It's a bit cheesy, but I love that yeah, shit. <laughs> totally, totally. What's the other one that Mariah Carey was in? Glitter? Was it Glitter? Glitter. Yeah, also good. Yeah. Very similar posters for those. Three women having a time of their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe I've just moulded them. In <laughs> I think some... Maybe I've just them. completely gotten the Play-Doh and mushed them together in my poor, poor brain. That's all right. She's recorded the audio book for this as well, but she revealed that she's only doing the introduction and she's tapped Michelle Williams, the award-winning amazing actor, to narrate it. So when it comes out on Tuesday, which is where it's going to come out everywhere, there's excerpts, but I got a press release about this a few weeks ago and it was basically like, here's the release date, there will be no advance copies. They're releasing excerpts, but everyone will get it on the same day this Tuesday or at least American time. And Michelle Williams will be the person that narrates it. And Brittany talked about how traumatic it was revisiting a lot of these events. So you can understand what it would be like to read it out. It made me think, you know, I've read your memoir. I listened to some of it too because I wanted to hear you read it um, because you uh, have got a beautiful voice and I wanted to hear you <laughs> tell your story. I don't think a lot of people would say I've got a beautiful voice. I, I think, think you do. A lot of people think I sound like Patty and Selma from The Simpsons. <laughs> You're an icon. But... Yeah, I wanted to ask you what it was like for you because you did narrate your own memoir and there's obviously parts mm. of that memoir that were tough. Was yeah. it difficult for you to relive that also in a kind of performative way too? Yeah, it it was a really weird experience. You think you've, you're good because you've written the book. You think you're good. You think, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that was a nice. There's things in there that you write that at the time are quite difficult but doing it helps you work through it, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. But then you go into a studio like this and you're sitting with someone and it's really important to have somebody who is who gets you, you know, and I had a beautiful producer. And you start to read it and you think, oh, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and then you're not good. It's weird. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever done. And also, too, I think <laughs> tied in with that, and I'm, I'm making light of it now, but tied in with that, you realise, and I'm sure Brittany has a ghostwriter. I'm not sure if she's written it herself, but I didn't. And I was reading some of the stuff going, who wrote this shit? It's me. <laughs> I can't go back now. Can't go back. It's been printed. It's done. And you can't, that's it, you can't change the words on the on the recorded version because it's got to be exactly as the book, even yeah. if you see a mistake. It's so different so when you read something out loud as well. So my head's just I would have done that differently. Highly recommend Miff Warhurst's memoir, Time of Your Life. Still Time out. of My Life. They've just released it in a tinier version, which is really cute, apparently. You're on multiple prints now. It's multiple. It's been reprinted. Yeah, I saw it the other day. It's very cute. <laughs> Really cute. Airport paperback, here we go. Totally. Absolutely love it. Totally. Brittany's not the only person who is in the memoir world. It feels like a lot of people wrote memoirs in lockdown as well. I think we've seen a heap of them. What else were we going to do, really? (laughs)
if you're creative and you're sitting at home, time to get out the old laptop. Um, but this memoir worthy, everyone's been talking about Jada Pinkett Smith capturing her life, her career, taking back her narrative in many ways and the big headline that she and Will Smith have actually been separated, not divorced, but separated since 2016. That's wild. When did they do their Red Table Talk chat mm. where they were sitting together talking about how they had a, I think if I recall, an open relationship. There'd been rumours that Jada had had an affair at some point and that Will was quite fine with it. Were they separated then? Have we got a timeline yes. on this? So they were separated apparently or allegedly then. See, that's weird. What 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 marketing ploy are they putting out there? Like, what are they doing? What's what's the point of that? Why not just say you're separated then? The very nature of Red Table Talk, if you're not across it, is Jada Pinkett-Smith and her mother and her daughter sitting around and being open in a way that you are not used to with celebrities and everything's on the table. And the fact that this has now come out and this kind of, this pitch to the public that it's no, you know, no holds barred, it's, it's everything that you know, is going on in our lives there for you, but actually there was, you know, a lie within that. Yeah, it's something to be questioned. And there was a really interesting take, I think, from Daniel De Adario in Variety magazine, mm. which I thought was good. He did state, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith owes us nothing. I agree with that. But when your whole But when you're pitching it and you're selling it as a this, Your whole sell is this is us this no is holds unfiltered, barred, yeah. unfiltered, all that. But there's a, a, a massive lie at one of, as one of the biggest marriages and and stories and you know bankable products in Hollywood that this is actually not true yeah he kind of questioned that which I think was you know he said he understands why people would be frustrated why the public would be frustrated about you know misdirections about this sort of idea of transparency but being a lie and going into this that she's now selling oh no actually this is my truth maybe an audience would be wary of that I was like well is it what mm. else is there? Again, she doesn't owe anyone anything. No. But I thought that that was an interesting take. But, yeah, the spill sells, doesn't it? And I think that, you know, one of the things that people love about memoirs is obviously that they get to hear things about these incredibly famous people that they never would before. I never knew that she was besties with Tupac. That was a mm. great little nugget. They went to the Baltimore School of the Arts as teen- together? teenagers. That's not clear. She talks about them being soulmates, but that never necessarily together. Um, it's a bit sort of washy. Maybe that's for the second memoir. Who knows? The other big reveal for this memoir is that Jada revealed that she constructed a special love nest <gasps> for her and Will Smith to allow them to spend intimate time together when their kids were little. See, as we learn from the memoir, Willow... And Jaden, who are both now adults, slept with their parents as children. In fact, Jaden was about six before he started sleeping in his own bed. And Will got a little bit tired of this sleeping arrangement. So to give us our own space, I had even built, this is a quote, a separate beautiful love nest Mm. for us two grown-ups in our bedroom, complete with a domed ceiling full of twinkling stars. But over time, the kids hijacked that room as well. So they had a, a sex room, basically. You know what they really had? Oh, my God. Shall we say it? A oh, fuck up. <laughs> Paul Newman and Joan Woodward apparently had a, what we, we now collectively know, because we all use this term now, a oh, fuck up. Hollywood loves a fuck up. Why? Do, like, 
but they can afford an extra room. Let's be honest. People, That's regular, what it is, isn't it? Regular folk can't afford an extra room. You're lucky putting all our stuff in our houses as we stand. But in Hollywood, they've got plenty of rooms. I want to see this, you know, implemented in the block. I don't want to see any more oh mud rooms. God. I want to see a fuck hut. <laughs> I want to see this as as a as a priority. Shana, if you're listening, we want to see fuck huts on the block <laughs> as an essential. You know, just like a work from home space. Um, if you can afford that, that's not your living area, then you can afford a fuck hut. So 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 good. So good. Well. Back on Jada and Will, though, the separation puts a whole new light on the comments when Will um, slapped Chris Rock. The slap. At the Oscars. Yeah. What were his words? Don't He said, keep, be- keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Yeah. I mean, they are still married, but the fact that they've been separated. And she talks about that. She was kind of like, hang on a minute, where am I in this narrative? Right. So I think that this is a way for her to regain her narrative. Beyond all this, beyond all the connections she has, beyond her Hollywood marriage, this is also the story of someone who I didn't realise grew up in a very uh, marginalised space with a drug-addicted mother just trying to scrap through and figure out life and survive. And you see that she really wants to tell this story and I think it's great that she's able to tell it, but... It's weird what everybody then focuses on, isn't it? Well, yeah. And we're doing it exactly. But, yeah, they've also made that their brand. So Mm. it's kind of like, you know, having your cake and eating it too. Like, it's tricky. And so have Posh and Bex. They've made that their brand now too. Well, one of the other emails from the Bang Box or I think it was a comment on social media was some people were upset about the Posh and Bex in the Beckham story, the final episode, which is where after three episodes, films, you might say, um, they have really built up David Beckham as this beautiful, sweet um, working class boy who made good. And then they leave all of the kind of shit stuff to the end. They never actually acknowledge that no one ever says a fair. Mm. No one ever confirms it. They just talk about difficult times in their marriage. Mm. And some Bang fam thought that that was a bit of a cop out. But I reckon, and I totally see what you're saying, like, it's your private life. You can say whatever you want. And also, you're producing it. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Like, I don't, I wasn't, it was very clear to me that he had had an affair. Mm. And I think that the way that it was handled was very clever. But also, it's like, it's none of our fucking business. None of this is our business. That's right. And I know the irony of this while we're discussing it all in a pop culture podcast for the last 15 minutes is glaringly obvious, but that's truly how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, look, I agree. But when there's a lot of coin to be made from it being our business when you decide it's our business. I am really contradicting myself today, aren't I? Yeah. But that's okay. Life is full of contradictions. We're allowed. You know what bang on is? Us sorting it out <laughs> in real time. Hey, how about we go to something that we actually do know about? Oh, come on. It's not just fashion, but it's fashion. Fashion. It's high fashion. With it's your like, favourite person. It's beyond fashion, really. <laughs> I mean, Dolly's always post-fashion. been... post-fashion. Dolly's always been outside of, of fashion and that's part of her appeal and that is part of why everybody loves her because she's not walking down, you know, out in the latest catwalk trends. She's walking out in exactly what Dolly Parton should be walking out in, which is 
whatever the fuck she wants and as garish and as baubled and as bedazzled as she likes. So um, she's released a book or is releasing a book. It's a photography book. It's a coffee table book, which I'll be buying. Behind the Scenes, My Life in Rhinestones. Mm. Uh, and it is a celebration of, I, I guess, essentially what is known as her flamboyant style. Although I just like to think that's how anyone who wants to dress should dress and not be considered flamboyant. Just be who you want to be. Be Dolly if you like. But I cannot wait to see the photographs of this because some of those outfits were just absolutely bonkers. But she said, in this book you'll see how, as a young artist, my self-confidence was enhanced by developing my own Dolly style and then sticking to it. Yes. I didn't care about trends. Instead, I worked hard to look the way I pictured myself. Although my style has evolved as the years have gone by, I've stuck to the motto, to thine own self be true, over the past six decades and still do. Much as the fictional characters that populate my songs uncover essential truths about me and the people I've known, my clothes and makeup also reveal the real me. Maybe they're both made up, but they reflect my innermost self, my own personal truth. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Authenticity has been her calling card from day dot. Mm. She's never hidden who she is. She's always been, like you say, uh, someone who's operated outside of trends. She is Dolly Parton. Even the new album that she's putting out, Rockstar, which is coming out in mid-November, the images around what she's wearing for that are just so good. It's like a cartoonish Dolly Parton take on rock and roll, but it's n- no one else could pull that off yeah. but Dolly. It's totally Dolly. And, and that's how she sees the world and how we see her, and it's truth. Yeah, She's never strayed away from that. She's never been not proud to show that part of herself and exactly how she wants to project as this little kid from the Smoky Mountains herself to the world. I also think it was, in, in the early days, very much an element of her armour as well, the big hair, the makeup, the totally. the baubles, you know. And, and while she says it, it may be a fabricated truth, that, in fact, was her truth. She wanted to protect herself from all the criticism that would have been coming her way. I think it's tough now being a, a woman who makes music. Imagine back then, 1960s, 1970s. Must have been unbelievably difficult. Well, she sort of refers to that in the book. She says that she, even as a kid, remembers feeling powerful enough to go against daddy or grandpa to say, no, that's not tight. It ain't cut that low. It ain't that much. And they'd say, yes, it is, but I'd be willing to get my ass whooped for it. I would sacrifice how I wanted to look, she says. The same thing happened when I moved to Nashville in 1964 to become a country star. Just like I had to persist to get my songs heard and ignite my recording career, I had to resist a lot of quote-unquote advice telling me to tone down my look or choose a different type of wardrobe. In these pages, you'll learn that I never listened to any of that. Mm. And that is the success of her. She has been such a survivor, such a fighter, such an icon and she's pushed against that. And you see that in the great Dolly Parton doco that was on Netflix, yes. um, which you can still watch. I watched it on the plane once. I loved it. And that really captured all of the bullshit that she had to come up against. And she's just stood her ground the whole time. Porter Wagner, where it all began, you know, when they realised that, oh, hang on, she's the star. And she had to deal with that massive male ego and mm. what was, by all accounts, not a very nice person. So, yeah, it's just um, amazing to to see that she's still living her true self and I'm so excited for this too. It actually looks, if anybody saw in 2020, she put out that song teller, My Life in Lyrics book. It's like a big coffee yeah, table so, book. Yeah. I've got it. I think you've got, you, yeah, got yeah, a copy as well. Absolutely got it. So similar sort of thing. Lots of pictures, lots of Dolly. Please come back to Australia sometime soon or at least agree to do a take five with me in Nashville. Thank you, Dolly, if you're listening. <laughs> she's listening. 
Oh, she's listening. Oh, speaking of um, take fives, loved the Natalie Imbruglia. Oh, thanks. One the other night. It was so gorgeous. The rapport was beautiful and it was, yeah, it took took me right back to the 90s and a time when things were simpler then. Answering machines were <laughs> very important <laughs> in our dating life. Oh, God, that resonated with me. I absolutely <laughs> played a song to someone down an answering machine and yeah. left it as a love letter. So good. But that's all. that all ties into what we've been talking about as well, this reliving of the late 90s and early noughties and that history that we had and remembering what it was like with the paparazzi with in music, how sexist and misogynistic it was. Yes. Um, I feel like a lot of those kind of reckonings continue to happen and we lived through it. So it's like, fuck, I remember this. I remember all this internalised misogyny I mm. had as well. So, um, yeah, that really resonated with me, that chat. And thank you to everyone who's been contacting me and saying the same. I loved it. Really cute. Speaking of Hollywood, Nicolas Cage is in... Southwest WA. He's in Bustleton. News ex- uh, that I never expected to read. Uh, found out yesterday that a Hollywood star, and I, I think what I love most about this is the reporting around it. Yes. Um, it's I don't give a shit where Nicholas Cage is. I don't give a shit where he is. To be honest, he can do whatever he damn well likes. However. The reporting is magnificent. This from Perth now. It's not every day. A Hollywood star visits your grocery store, but that was the reality for the team at Food of Asia in Bustleton on Monday when Nicolas Cage stepped foot inside the Asian grocer on Queen Street. Apparently he's doing research. But then they go on. The grocery store swiftly sprung into action, snapping photos of the 59-year-old American actor and film producer. Here we go. They've put it on Facebook, which I love. <laughs> It's a little bit like A1 Bakery in Melbourne um, when they say, who was it that was apparently at A1? Kanye was at A1. This was great, but this is real apparently. They said, they wrote on Facebook alongside a number of photos of the star who was wearing the red sunglasses, white T-shirt and black jeans he sported after his arrival in Perth hours earlier. Excellent, confirmed. He paired his outfit with a green jacket and boots. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't this be in fashion? Is this the wrong place for our Nicolas Cage chat? It's so good. But you know what I love? Um, it's I don't even think they talk to the people at the store. They've just got my friends who run Food of Asia at Queen Street. <laughs> this is a quote. Bustleton. You've got the address. Just were ecstatic when a customer came in. Despite the sunnies in the beard, they recognised an A-list Hollywood actor, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Looks like he's here for a shoot. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> And then he added that the team quipped. This is like in the third person. You look like Nicolas Cage with the Gone in 60 Seconds star. Gosh, I love that. Chuck a film reference. (laughs) Responding, I I am. am. Oh, it's so good. I got more for you because I did do some heavy research on this. (laughs) He didn't just hit Food of Asia, but he also hit the local Woolies. Did he? Uh, Apparently he filled his cart to the brim with items such as potatoes, paper towels and nappies. And this led me to a deep dive into the internet uh, when I learned that he has become a recent father. Again, he's got two other kids. Mm -hmm. But he recently married, for the fifth time, a a woman called Riko Shibata. And she is born and raised in Japan. They met when he was on set in Japan um, a little while ago. They've got a one-year-old daughter called August who's with them in Australia. So I think he was actually shopping for um, some specialist items uh, at Food of Asia for the fam. Now, he's 59 and she's 27, so that's that. And when I fell down this rabbit hole to find out how they met, this stood out to me. And I know that you'll appreciate this because Nicolas Cage is amazing. The couple were later photographed holding hands for the first time in February 2020 when they both visited Cage's nine-foot tomb in New Orleans that he purchased for himself in 2010. Oh, 
Come see where I'll lay after I die. Um, let's let's go public. Let's do a hard launch near my private tomb. Oh my god! Is that a date? Oh, like what is that? How good is that? My private tomb. Just the reportage around this is so good. It's so good. <laughs> Because I have to admit, I have not seen a Nicolas Cage film in such a long time. I don't, I don't know what he's been up to. Weirdly, the last time I saw, and I love Nicolas Cage, but last time I saw him on screen was I was at a holiday house uh, that you were renting for a little bit. Yes, and watched Moonstruck. That's right, because it was one Great of the, film. the DVDs in the drawer, and I was like, I'm not watching anything else except what's been provided for me. That's right, having a curated experience, whatever's in the holiday house drawer. <laughs> And I watched Moonstruck for the first time, which is one of his very early roles. Yes. And when you watch that, you're like, everyone's thinking, this guy's wild. But then you're like, <laughs> you see the 30 years that pass. You you're like, just wait. That's Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> you just wait. Amazing. If you've never seen Moonstruck. It's um, a very, very fun film. Very wild film. Oh, well, good on you, Southwest WA. What a beautiful part of the world for Nicolas Cage and his young family to be hanging out in. They must feel very, very lucky, especially as we go into summer. And I'm very excited about the sightings of him curmudgeonly not smiling yeah. for his selfies. Just out to the shops. With various I also want to say leave him alone. but Leave him alone. Look, be, it's exciting when these things happen and you're in a small town. It's very exciting. Uh, also speaking of exciting things happening, I mean, if you're into that, the Olympics is coming to Brisbane in 2032, which I keep mm. on forgetting about, but they're starting to talk about mascots. And have you heard, and this is where we do go into bang on animal territory, mm. which we've become now, have you heard about what the campaign is, about who they want to bring up to be the official Olympic mascot? They, yes, I, there are calls. I don't know who's <laughs> necessarily making these calls, but someone made a call to somebody for an animal to be made Brisbane's 2032 Olympic and Paralympics Games mascot, and that animal is a dugong. Yes. Sea is, it cow. Dugong, is it dugong or, or dugong? Dugong. 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 <laughs> dugong. I just said dugong. it wrong. Did I say it wrong? Dugong. 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 It's a sea cow, it's essentially. One of those words that you say 10 times that doesn't know, make sense. I know. Dugong. And then I read it and was like, dugong? oh, no, that's wrong. Dugong? Dugong? Apparently. Dugong, um, right? Dugong? Yeah. Wigong. <laughs> They are an elusive creature, apparently, and the reason why they're so special for Brisbane is that apparently they hang out at a place called Pumicestone Passage where you can have a swim and get your feet done at the same time. Um, and they are one of the last remaining inshore populations of dugongs in a populated area like a city. Dugong petty. Yeah. <laughs> I like dugongs because their main things that they do are swim, be shy and graze. Ooh. Just sit around and graze. I also really living their best life. I think <laughs> they are us. Dugongs are us. <laughs> uh, I also really love the ABC story around this. And again, we just need to ABC fact check and confirm the dugong is not the Olympic mascot. There are just people who really hope it will be. We yeah. used to call them a sea cow. They look very similar, and that's what they remind you of a bit: uh, an elephant and a sea cow mix because they graze, but they've got that appearance of a, of an elephant, but with a very short. Snout. Just very enthusiastic about the dugong. She sure is. <laughs> I mean, the only thing going against the dugong is that they're not specifically Australian. They, oh. hang, they hang out in the water in the Indo-West Pacific. So they oh, can, I didn't know that. They can be found in numerous places. Just, I know that we've been talking about animals, but I'm no David Attenborough. <laughs> so who are they? Who well, are, I am. So, you know. Um, You're Dr. Doolittle. That's correct. <laughs> 
they are in the waters of some 40 countries. So I do think that's actually going to work against the dugong. Yeah. I genuinely do because I think we like to have a mascot as we had with the Remember the Millie, Millie. The, That's the only one I remember. The kangaroo, wasn't yeah. it? As an echidna. Yeah, there's been an echidna. We 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 go local. We go specifically <laughs> local. Um, so I think we need to probably think more along those lines. I love the dugong. I would love to see that. I'd love to see a lazy sea creature who just, <laughs> just really, munching. yeah, just who just munches. Be the best they can be and be a mascot, but I just don't think it's going to get through. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and watch. Not too long to wait now. What do you think we'll get through? I don't I mean, know. Now we've got options because we must start thinking about this. This is very important, serious business. When I think of Brisbane, I just think of the Paddle Pop Beach, but you can't really have the Paddle Pop line. Oh, the Paddle Pop line would be great, actually. <laughs> City Beach. Yeah. It's now Kodak Beach, though, I think. Is it? I think. Oh. I'll just know that I'll never be swimming there. <laughs> Not into Urine. Yeah. <laughs> Even in summer, I'm sure I'll never swim in there. Oh, man. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, we're there already. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I watched a movie on the plane the other day and I really, really enjoyed it and it reminded me of a time when there were a lot more movies like this, just really simple dramas that are well acted, that have a premise that's a, a kind of question that sets up the rest of the narrative and you're deciding what's right, what's wrong. Just a simple, self-contained little drama about a family that's not, you know, no bells and whistles, not saying anything particularly grand. I miss those movies. They don't really exist anymore. You've got like huge Marvel movies and massive blockbusters and and very little of of this kind of drama. Mm. I'm sure they still exist in European filmmaking. I feel like that is still very much a tradition, but it's kind of dropped off in our filmmaking. And it's a little film called You Hurt My Feelings and it's got Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. Ah. And it's essentially, she's a writer. She's written a memoir, speaking of memoirs, and in it, She's she's written about her own experience of abuse from her father, emotional abuse. Um, so she's she's given her all. She's writing her second book. Her partner, her husband, is a psychologist, and he they have a lovely relationship. Very caring. Uh, they seem quite well connected. They're good friends as well as partners and, and all of that. They have a son who's a, a young sort of twenty something year old who's also a writer. And anyway. She goes off to the shops knowing that her partner will be with her sister, knowing that her sister's partner will be in the sock department because he's always in the sock department, loves socks, and he's with Julia Louis-Dreyfus's um, husband. And they walk up on them while they're buying socks and she hears her husband, who's the psychologist, who's very caring, considerate, say that he hates her second book and he doesn't, he, he, he can't tell her even though he's read draft after draft after draft. So it's the, it's a really simple question. What's a lie and what's not? What's a caring mm. comment in order to support you and sustain you? And a what's lie not? to protect. And what's a lie to protect and what's not? And it, it was just a lovely little narrative and, and one that I haven't seen in filmmaking for quite some time. I just really enjoyed going into their world and asking those questions of myself and the people I deal with and and the things that I might say, and then also then the son comes into the into the into the equation, and he's talking about um, how his mum brought him up and encouraged him too much. So the, then you start to question: Are these? You know, he said I wasn't great at basketball or swimming or whatever it was, and yet you told me I was great. 
So then what's that like? What's the lie and what's the truth there and what's most helpful and what's not? Like it's it was really sweet. Pulls the thread and everything comes undone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really sweet. I I don't know. I just enjoyed it and it wasn't too taxing on the brain and I think I kind of need that right now. Hour and a half? Oh, probably only an hour, I think. It even was, better. Yeah, it was even better. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice the time. So that's... <laughs> that's good for you. That's five stars from me. You hurt my feelings yeah. on a plane. Or can I just give a little side bang if you're ever hearing us talk about stuff and we do watch stuff on planes? Because we're always watching and enjoying things um, to bang on about. But you can. there's a great website called Just Watch. If you do Just Watch Australia, you can type in any title, film or television, and it will tell you where you can see it in Australia. Is so that right? What streaming services, whether it's on free-to-air, if it's, it costs something, if it's a subscriber service only, Just Watch. Cue me asking you that every single week. <laughs> What's that website again? And the other one, you showed it to me a couple of weeks ago where you can watch. Oh, no, read. you don't say that. I know, but I need to ask you and I need to write it down on my phone because I've already forgotten it. Let's just say it's a way to climb over paywalls. Mm. Thank you to the Bang Fan member who DM'd me their Paramount Plus password as well. Oh, I have one. What's lost, their name? I've lost the DM. <laughs> Thank you Send so much. Send it again. Pa- Bang, Bang Fan are great. Uh, you can find thanks, our... thanks, Georgia, I think, who's still got mine. <laughs> um, what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about uh, a couple of little bits of media following the referendum on Saturday. You've actually banged on about Not So PG, the podcast with Maddie Mills and Brooke Blurton before. Love these two. Ages ago. So good. They did a brilliant podcast, uh, which was recorded on Monday, and it really articulated the hurt they were feeling, the rejection, a lot of anger after the majority of Australians said no. It's a really raw listen, and I really appreciated first of all, that they were willing to speak about their experiences, but also walking a minute in their shoes. Yep. And Isabella Higgins is a brilliant ABC journo who you probably saw over the last few weeks covering a lot of the referendum for ABC News. On Insiders on Sunday morning, she did a great analysis of where some First Nations Australians will turn to next after this decision. So... I'm going to put them both in the show notes. Um, I know that a lot of people have been switching off the news over the last week for a number of reasons, and it's been really intense, but I really gained a lot of insight into hearing both these perspectives. Um, So if you're keen, then I'll chuck that in the show notes as well. Thank you. I am keen. Yeah, they were both really good. All right. Well, great to see you. Good to see you too. Hope you uh, enjoy sweating it up in Melbourne, which is the tropical uh, capital (laughs) of Australia right now, for one day only. Snooze, you lose. It'll be 13 degrees in a couple of days' time, I'm sure of it. It will be, or in one day's time. It makes us appreciate it, though. Exactly. I'll see you next week. It's emotionally abusive by the weather, I (laughs) I hate to say. They give you some sugar and then... And you come on board and you love it and then they turn around the next day and it's back where you started. Treat them mean, keep them keen. (laughs) Bye, babes. Hang on. Is it dugong or, or dugong? Dugong. dugong.